Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And good heavens, good good heavens, good Glenn, good 3CR. It's just on 9 o'clock here on a very lovely once again, a beautiful Melbourne morning. Oh, I love Melbourne weather. They're so beautifully grey out there. It's time now, of course, for a left after breakfast. And not really in any shades of grey, but black and white. Which side are you on? So good morning, listener. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, listener. Good morning, Susanna. Um, just been following the news from across across from the northern hemisphere and it's, um we've just been through the century oh. of a slaughter from El. I think mm, yes, I mean we hear a lot of eulogizing about how great the war was, you know, the Anzac mythology and think, mm, hang on. From Mel's was an absolute disaster. I mean, more Australians were killed in one day from Mel's than the combined death total of the Boer War, the Korean War and the Vietnam War. I mean, from Mal's, this was the lunacy of the Great Trade War. And we eulogise, you know, how good this war was, blah, blah, blah. But you've yeah, been following Dean Mile, him and his son are over there right now for the um, events at Fromel's. I think, oh, it's, might just briefly touch upon Fromel's this morning because it is a bit of an issue. And um, uh, Every time mm-hmm. you say, you know, Fromel, I think of um, something to do uh, with cooking. And it's little bits of chopped up mushrooms. Oh, chop them up, you know, with a beautiful big. Uh, Mezzaluna and sort of simmer them slightly in some nice wine would be nice, a little bit of uh, fennel and then they put them, you use them to uh, layer other things with Do the mushrooms grow in Flanders fields? Because Fromel's is in the Flanders area mm. Yes I mean, and the poppies grew the poppies grew blood red and the soul of the Flanders fields were I mean, you talk about blood and bone, goodness me. But the loss of life, Australian, English, French, German, Belgian, Austrian, Canadian, New Zealand and India. I mean, that, that, the, the great And the people world. who lived there. Well, they're the French and the Belgians. Yeah, but they lived there. Just mm. the ordinary people living there on, on their little shacks. Lived there and died there. And you go to Fromel's now and, you, you know, there's the graveyards and you go across the headstones, Moni Darling Sun. Another life lost, hearts broken for what? And you think, hmm, it's, um, all these headstones, all these graves. It's, and Fromel's is not far from Ypres, you know. Well, how do you, you say, is it Ypres? Is it Wipers? Is it Wiper? Ypres. It's different. Ypres. 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 Ypres, Flanders, Ypres. the Somme. They were just charnel houses for the best part of four years. As generals on both sides sent young men back and forth to die. And for what? For Krupps? For de Havilland? For Rolls Royce? Daimler? Mercedes? What else were they fighting and dying for? They weren't fighting and dying for democracy. I mean, don't forget, at the time, Germany had a far more advanced democracy than Australia or England. So why are they in France and Belgium dying in their droves? Anyway... On the 19th of July, 1916, Australian troops advanced in broad daylight on fortified German positions outside the stronghold. Now, this had been a, a series of errors. It had been raining for a few days. 
The attack had been delayed. It was supposed to commence the day prior, July 18. It was postponed to July 19. It was done in broad daylight. The British artillery had ceased shelling German positions. The Germans were expecting the attack. But again, the British intelligence, and that's an oxymoron, they had misread the figures. There was twice as many German defenders as there was attackers. So the troops were outnumbered. And then in broad daylight, they advanced across these small fields exposed to murderous fire from guns and howitzers. And, and that one day, 5,553 Australians were casualties in 24 kept, hours. Well, they just kept going over. Yeah, yeah. But well, yeah, but why didn't they stop once they realised they were... <laughs> but this is... What's the old adage from the Charge of Light Brigade? Ours is not but do and die. And ours is not to question why. Yeah. Ours is but to do and die. And that was the great British, you know, that was the military think, you know, group think, you know. 5,553 Australian casualties in one day, including 1,917 dead. And you think, oh, what do those figures mean? Like, it's 5,000. Hang on, like... I recall Black Saturday bushfires uh, almost seven and a half years ago, and 173 died that day. They're horrible figures, 173 people. But 10 times as many died in that one 24-hour period in a small French field outside a village called Fromelles. And you sort of can't, you can't conceptualise 1,917 men dying in 24 hours in a small field. What sort of lunacy was this great trade war? Oh, it's just horrible. And again... Oh, look, look, it's really upsetting. I mean, the, the mythology and the lies have so long obscured truth about the disasters there. And as, the, as Paul Daly says in his article, there are a few certainties in war, but one is that governments will coerce or force young men to fight it. Another is that many of them will die. It is for the politicians to justify the cost. They predictably tried to do so after the abysmal slaughter from males, just they continue doing conflicts where strain involvement and death seems no less pointless. We saw um recent papers, Tony Abbott wanted to send more troops across to Iraq to fight over there. I mean, as Paul Daly's saying, Maybe a he century could go. Later, Well why didn't he go? He was young once. Why didn't he join the armed forces? Why didn't John Howe join the armed forces? We know there here uh, Mr Menzies was in the um, armed forces and when war broke he resigned. But he sent young men to fight and die in wars, you know. There's a theory here, as, as Daly's saying his article, the constant theme is pollies send young men to fight and to die in their wars. And the pollies wax lyrical of the bravery, of the sacrifice, of the courage. Well, why aren't they there? Why are they behind the desk pushing pens around or signing deals of big, big banks and stuff, you know? It's a bit like um, being cold. They, well, they were cold. You know, and we you, have too many young men of the working class. Yeah, and they'll die. The young, the young men of the rich class also died too. Some of the officers, well, the officers were wealthy, yeah, but they but were a minority. The oh yes, they were one to hundred, hundred working boys and one wealthy boy. You know, a bit of a difference here. But they need to be culled because there are far too many of them. Yeah, it's like natural selection. It's like a Darwinian approach, you know. We'll colour young men. Well, it is. It's almost like Darwinian. The strong no, will survive. it's not like Darwinian. There are aspects of that. It is. Yes, but it's not. that's taken to the... It's extreme. Yeah, well, Darwin didn't really think that culling any species was going to assist anything. No, He's but social serious. Darwinism takes it social to the extreme. Social Darwinism is a different thing again. Mm. And, that, and that's an interpretation. Like bloody eugenics. Yeah. That, yes. 
Well, eugenics was a long-held school of thought. It was a quite prevalent English-speaking world. But you go around you go around rural Australia, and I spent a lot of time in the bush. That's my family's from the bush. And you go to every little town, the obelisk, oh, the headstone, terrible. and the names. And you might have four, five, six men from the same family who died in France or Belgium or the Dardanelles. And for what? To protect Australia from who? Who was invading Australia? Who was going to threaten Australia? But these young boys, they were, you know, adventure, fight for king and country, save the world. And at Fremel's, in that period of time, in the 24 hour clock, 5,553 casualties, including 1,917 dead. And they were calling for a long time the fallen. They weren't called the, the dead. Fallen. Well, they were called the fallen. Oh, Sounds nicer. It does. You don't say that. But death has a finality. Death means it's over. You've fallen. Well, you know, you, you live on in our spirits. You live on in our minds. You can, you can get up again. Come well, you can't. You, you can't. Well, You're some of XYZ, mate. You, you, you're 3KZ, you know. And around from Mel's, there were memorials everywhere. Look at the difference in us. You say 3KZ and I say XYZ. Well, you three... say goodbye and I say hello. Three K, well, three Ks. It has two meanings. The meaning normally means your head. But it also means dead too. Okay, you you a cactus. I would have said. Yeah. These both, but they were the, they were called the fallen, fallen. and and the, it was just one. Of these, it, it was such an, an abysmal British operation. The disaster from Mel. It was one of the many ineptitudes of people like Haig and these British leaders who just it was it was a game for these wealthy men. They knew nothing private about, school builders. They knew nothing about war. I, I see that. But they'd read Homer and the Odyssey. They'd what been is, to college yes, at Eton and Harrow. They knew the, the boys. Stuff. Were, boys were all still killed. But you'd think you know, um, it sort of really is a testament to the power of. Brainwashing. Oh, absolutely. A brainwashing that you can have people all over the world thinking, oh, I'm fighting for king and country, or I'm fighting for democracy, or I'm fighting for, for freedom, freedom. But you still hear it now. Yeah, yeah. but you get that. That just is, it's a testament to Young the Young Australians world. go it's across. It's also a testament to the ultimate... Um, stupidity of of young men as a whole. Young Australians go across to Europe and Dardanelles, and they drape themselves in flags. They chant "Oi, oi, oi!" And they say, "We were here. We were here fighting for democracy. What democracy?" As I said ten minutes ago, in nineteen forty, when war broke out, the most advanced democracy in the world was Germany. It wasn't England. It wasn't. Well, Australia was more advanced than England. We had more advances than Australia in England. The Germans are the most advanced democracy in the world. And that going back to Fromel's, there's a, there's a Commonwealth Cemetery at VC Corner, and it stands in what was called No Man's Land from the British and German lines. It has no individual gravestones. It has two big stone crosses under which 400 Australians are buried en masse. There's a nearby war, and there's the name of 1,299 Australians who were missing, who could not be identified as deaf. They were basically blown to pieces by shells. They were just, they were just turned into, into mincemeat. They couldn't be recognised. You've got all these big memorials of men who just they have no known place of burial. In the last few decades, hundreds of Australian other bodies have been located and exhumed around for males. Uh, who's a, was it Eugene Lambros, the bloke from Melbourne who's organised a whole lot of expeditions? 
I don't know. No, oh, it, he's a great show. Is it ever? Uh, I'll ask that to Ian. Oh, it doesn't my, matter. He's been fantastic. He has discovered the bodies of thousands of men who have been left unmarked for a century, and has organised exhumations and DNA testings so families can finally find their loved ones. He's been great, this chap. But again, from Mel's was a disaster. Why? Why did the battle happen? It was purely a diversionary tactic for the British. They were launching an offensive at the Somme, 50k away on the 1st of July. Hmm, okay, how can we distract the Germans? Ah, we'll have another battle somewhere not too far away. And the Australian 5th Division, they hadn't been in France long. They were, they were just raw. They had no experience of battle. They were sent across to the British 11th Corps under Richard, under General Richard Haking. And Haking decided, okay, let's, uh, let's create a feint. Let's attack the Germans on Orbers Ridge. And they, they mucked it up. They had a big bombardment which finished early. The rain came, but dates mucked around. The plan was July 16, but it was postponed for three days. And what happened? The Germans got wind of it. They prepared. They brought in reinforcements. They increased their weapons. And when the Allied troop movements finally coincided, it was a clear day on July 19. The rain had gone. The Germans knew the attack was imminent. The Australians had no hope. And even more... Uh, what's the word? Disgusting, disconcerting. The British had been slaughtered in the same fields just over 12 months earlier. In May 1915, the British had attacked across the same fields and had been butchered. And on the same fields in July 1916, Australian troops would attack across the fields at Primfermel. Oh, look, this is just too awful, Glenn. This is the great trade war, my dear. This is the great trade war. And the horrors. I've read something here in an article about Paul Daly, which made it worse. As the Australians went through the mud and the sludge and from Mel's on this July 9th, July 20th, what happened was they uncovered the rotting corpses of British soldiers from 12 months oh, earlier. Please. But this was, this was the additive of horror. These British bodies from a year earlier still laying there rotting, and they've been uncovered in the bombardment. Oh, God. So this is, this is what confronted the Australian troops, you know. They have been killed. Oh, listen old to, please, bodies. Listen, to, be brave, be brave, you know. Be, I'm, I'm these men had to be brave. Private Jim Cluer for the 29th Battalion said of his first action, the novelty of being a soldier wore off in five seconds. From that point, it was just a question of survival. From Mel's was horrible. It was like a bloody butcher shop. It was terrible. The Australian commander, Harold Pompey Elliott, cried. He, he couldn't stop what's happening. He argued with the British, and he cried as his men were cut down. Um, it was called a tactical abortion. It was a disaster. And Harold Pompey Elliott was a, a famous Australian leader. He became a liberal politician after the war. He became a nationalist poly after the war. He committed suicide in 1931 as he suffered from PTSD from his war experiences, especially the horrors of Fremel's where he saw his men cut down by the British orders and he, he could not control the process, you know. And the, it was a disaster. We know that 46,000 Australians died on the Western Front. That includes 18,000 who would never be found or identified. And it wasn't just for disasters at Fremel's this day. A year later, Bullock Court, more men died in one day. Fremel's was bad enough. Bullock Court, four months later, had even more Australian casualties in one day. And they didn't learn anything, you know. So you hear a lot about Australian sacrifices as politicians and leaders go on about, you know, the courage and stuff. But they were, these men didn't sacrifice themselves. The politicians and the generals sacrificed them. And what have we learned as Australians? We're sending more men to Iraq. We're sending people to Afghanistan. We keep doing it, you know. Korea, Vietnam. Don't we learn? Are there none as blind as those who refuse to see? 
Yeah, that's just that's just horrible. And it's, as you say, Glenn, what have we learned from that? What have we learned? Nothing. Well, Australia was a small white nation in those days. It had just gained its independence. We had a population of 5 million at the outbreak of war, 416,809 enlisted. So that's almost like, um, that's one-tenth, that's about maybe 8% of the population of Australia enlisted to fight this great trade war. There were 60,000 men killed in World War One, and 156,000 wounded. And those killed, the bulk weren't killed in Gallipoli, the Dardanelles, they were killed in France at Bullecourt, uh, Bapaume, Messines, Fromel, Poziers, Passchendaele, Ypres, Ypres, Flanders, the Somme. And for what end? For what end? Now, what did it achieve? And back home... The war had been greeted when it started in 1914. Now, boys, we're home by Christmas. It'll be over in Christmas 1914. Yes, well, we'd it didn't work that way. get there before it's over. It didn't work that way because we know by 1916, people weren't enlisting anymore. Like, hang on, this war, was, this war was not a picnic. We're dying in droves. We can't go across and fight this useless war. And again, we don't. We discussed the anniversary of the centenary of Fromel, but there's a more important centenary coming very soon. In three months... October 28, we have a centenary of the first plebiscite on conscription. And as we know, in this war, there was two plebiscites by the Australian government on conscription. On October 28, 1916, the first plebiscite was held. 1,087,557 Australians voted yes to send our men to fight and die in the Great Trade War. But more importantly, 1,160,073 voted no to send our young men to fight and die in the Great Trove War. And Australia voted no, not just in October 1916, but again in 1917, twice we voted no. The AIF, the Australian Imperial Force, was the only volunteer army in the world. No one else had a volunteer army. Everyone has had conscripts. And we in Australia, and this is what we should commemorate and recognise, yeah? Let's acknowledge the sacrifice of those poor men who died. Oh, those but, poor boys who were sacrificed. That's right, like members of my family. Mm. But also, and let's mine, also yeah. recognise... And most of, and yours too, listener. Let's also recognise the brave Australian voters who said, no, no, this is, this is rubbish. This isn't a game. We're not going to send our men to fight and die. If they choose to go, that's abolition. But we're not going to point the finger and say, you must go and fight for king and queen or queen and country or whatever and um, we voted no twice but again we're the events that commemorate October 28, 1916 I know I'm involved in the group in Brunswick the Brunswick Coburg and the Conscription Centenary Commemorative Group. We're doing activities That's in Brunswick. That's a mouthful. I know, hard to say. I think we're called BCAC. We're doing stuff in Brunswick and Coburg. We've got activities organised and organising out there. But again, we hear about from Mel and, and you know, Gallipoli. Let's discuss the fact we twice said, no, we're not going to vote to send our men to fight your dirty war. Would you like to just do me a favour and say the name of your group again slowly? Oh, Jesus. Um, we are the Brunswick Coburg Anti Conscription Centenary Commemorative Committee. That's well, a that's still a mouthful, yes. It is. I've, it heard, is. I've heard of whiskey after that. Yeah. But we are doing activities. There are there's plans for marches. We've had a series of talks so far. There's speakers coming out. We've had a screening of a, a film. There have been a few things. So, Nancy, if you're listening, can you um, email me, Nancy, and update me, please, where we're at, because I've missed the last minute because I've been crooked. Yes. Nancy Atkins, a wonderful 3CR long-term activist, 
is another one involved in the group. There's others like Tom Lincoln, Michael Hamill Green, Monica Hart, various others involved in this group. So it's a group saying, hey, let's remember the, the bravery, the resilience of Australian people that voted no for this horrible war. Yes, well, that's, well I, I look forward to hearing some more from you with some activities that have been that will be happening and around the place. And, of course, I'd love to... It is something... You no, know, I was never aware of this so much as a child. No, it's not a thing. It's never been brought up, is it? No one ever tells you that when they talk about... Um, well, I start talking about ASNACs, ANZACs, whatever they're called. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologise. ANZACs. That's what, what they are mm-hmm. called. When people talk about them, you know, when sort of politicians or all the celebs, they get up and talk about the bravery of this. No one ever mentioned. No. Ever mentioned, oh, by the way, anti-conscription, though it's such a wonderful story. Who who was the Prime Minister at the time? Uh, Billy Hughes was the Prime Minister. Billy Hughes, that little bloke. Yeah, I'll say bloke, yes. But him, him, and he had um, this great big look. Sign this. It's a referendum. Yep. Where do you think we should go in for? Will we conscript? You know, I'd like to know what the actual wording was on those things. Oh, I've got it somewhere. Yeah, I, I've got, you, I, I have it in front of right, me. But you know, would you conscript? Do you want to see? I didn't use the word conscript. Is the word they yeah, used? But, yeah. But basically, the question is: Do you want to see the boys conscripted, or do you want to not see? And people had hmm. a choice. Well, people had a choice of yes or no. Do you want to see? Do you want conscription? Yes or no? And they voted mainly no. But the Prime Minister said, you got it wrong. Go back and do it again. Yep. You're not supposed to say no. You're supposed to vote yes. Go back and fill it well, out the again. British were and they went him. back and hmm. filled it out again and they still said no. I can't the chap's name. He was the secretary for the... Oh. <coughs> Oh, pardon us. Pardon us. Uh, The Secretary for the Colonies, I think it was his title, he leaned on Hughes in early 1916 saying, look, you know, numbers are falling off. We need more men to die, you know. Not enough men are joining. You've got to put pressure on the Australians. This is our war for kicking country, so you must pressure your people in Australia. And Hughes said, yep, yep, sir. Our Prime Minister, Mr. Yes, he did as he was told. And again, it split the ALP. The ALP tore itself asunder. It's interesting, I was reading the other night, I was doing some light reading at home, as one does. Uh, one of those in the ALP who became part of the breakaway group was a bloke called W.G. Spence, who was the founder of the Australian Workers' Union. Yeah. You know, Polly, he, he broke away from the ALP and became, you know, the um, part of the Nationalist Party. And, well, the AWU's had a long history of these sort of behaviours. Where's that Paul Howes bloke nowadays? I don't know. He was, the AWU's an interesting organisation. They've got a few issues. But yeah, Australians voted no. And again, and again, we hear these great Aussie patriots and these other types, you know, how great Australia is, we're the best country in the world. And they know nothing about our history. What do these people who boast how good we are, oi, 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 what do they know about the two plebiscites? What do they know about the referendum on banning the Communist Party? We voted no to protect democracy. There are some great events in Australian history, and we're not taught these things. We don't learn these things. But you do, if you tune to 3 on a Friday morning, or any time, really. Come on, hmm. let's let's be fair. Let's be fair. But this is the history segment, my dear. So I'm talking oh, right, history. Of course. So I'll give. I'm blowing my own trumpet. As well as blowing yours. Of course. And how do we keep listening to stories about conscription and these things by sporting 3CR? And we have just been through the radiothon. And if you know and you have pledged money, you can please send us money to here 3CR. You can pop down here to Smith Street, Collingwood. 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. We're on Fitzroy, the Fitzroy sorry, side. Sorry, 
no, I, I, well, you're look, right. Yeah, I should know. Yeah, but if you cross the road, if you go out the front door at 3CR and cross the road, you're in Collingwood. Yeah, you, you are. we're on the Fitzroy side. We're on the oh, higher yeah. side. Fitzroy's on the hill. Collingwood's on the flat because water runs downhill. And also, if you don't want to, if you can't physically get here, oh, we yes. have a PO box also. Yeah. And the PO box is Collingwood, my dear. It's PO box one two double seven Collingwood three double six. Well, it is Collingwood because of the post office is across the road. So you can pop into Fitzroy <laughs> or mail to Collingwood. And we but don't again, want to walk uphill up to the Fitzroy post office, which strangely enough isn't there anymore. No, it's gone. It was there for years on the corner of Johnson Road. Beautiful old building. Well, Where's it gone now? There isn't one. Is there still a South Fitzroy post outlet in Gertrude Street? Is there a little postal outlet? The shop, the shop's yeah. still there, yes. Okay. So the Fitzroy shop. has no post office. Good Lord. Doesn't need a post office. No, what's true? Mail's, Mail's a, a bygone way of communicating. You know, Mail... Yeah, well, it's particularly bad when I'm sent letters and it says, please take action within 48 hours, <laughs> and the uh, letter was spent four days to reach me. Isn't corporatisation great? They've reduced the amount of mail being delivered and they've increased the cost of it. Here's the bloke, is it Ahmed Farouk, the head of the um, Australia Post? He's on a, a huge, huge whack... I don't you know. know. This is corporatisation of services. And again, and corporatisation, privatisation, everything's a business now. Everything's, you know, about making money, you know. Was this the world the diggers fought from from L to defend? Did they fight to defend the, the financiers and the capitalists? And Coca-Cola. Yeah, and Amatool. Not to mention BHP. Well, that's it. They fought for. Did they now? Yes. Good Lord. I'm starting to worry about this. Well, it's just a whole horrible, terrible, bloody thing. Well, that's why it makes me quite a, ill. That's why it's called the Great Trade War. But for Mal, was a horrible battle. I mean, as I said, just, they'd fought the same ground 12 months earlier, and it was, it was still full of corpses rotting away. They, the British High Command mucked up totally. They, they, the rain, they stopped the artillery bombardment. They didn't realise Germans had more troops. It was a disaster. And when Gandhi says that thing about, you know, Western intelligence... That would be good. Civilization. Western civilization. That That's a be, good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the, the epitome of it. The British High Command in World War One, and again, don't we had, and in World War One, all these royal families, our leaders, were all related. They were all blood relations. What sort of world were we living in? What there was a family feud. It well, it was, which cost millions, including sixty thousand Australians. It was the family feud. It was. Really hasn't changed much, has it? It hasn't. No, the families are somewhat different now. The families are, they hold great big high seats on the boards of multi, mega, you know, great big companies. Well, the Battenbergs are still around. Yeah, but when they're holding the position on the boards of big companies. Yeah. It's a different, it doesn't run from the, the castle and the oh, scepter no. and the orb anymore. It runs from the boardrooms yeah. of you know, multinational bloody corporations. Yeah. That's where it runs. Oh, dear me. It I runs. I still keep saying if you get a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get a chance, what, my dear? To see um, the fantastic series, it's still on. Um, I'll quickly help me with the word. What's the word when, uh, when someone comes, comes in? into your country and they invade it, but they don't? They still they just stay there. Um, Occupies. Occupied. Of course, I knew that. There's the two big films, and it's called Occupied, and it's a Norwegian series. Mm. It's about twelve episodes, I think, and it's absolutely unbelievable. It's fantastic. It occupied your time. They with the 
Prime Minister at this party, they have they're going to use this new energy source, which is absolutely just about flatulence. No, it's a fabulous energy source, so they're not going to have any oil. So it's not flatulence. They are what no more oil, so they turn down. So they say this is what we're uh, doing, and you know you've got six months to wind down your operations. Here, um, all you big oil companies, the ones with the rigs off our coast, yep. and the um, those big pipelines going yeah. up and down, we won't be need, needing them anymore. Thanks for all your help, but now we're right. We've got our own fantastic energy here, and um, and of course you can't do that. All hell breaks loose. Absolutely, hell breaks loose. But it's, a, it's called world wars. Yes, but this wasn't a war. It's just an occupation, and it's a fantastic series and really, really scary. Uh, when's it and on? Really, really true. It's um, on Netflix. But when? Whenever? Okay. It's on Netflix. You watch it any time you like. Asking. Anyway, that's enough for me for the day. I'm going to go soon because I'm sure you have more people to present. Anyway, I'm not in next Friday, my dear. I'll be in a chuka, so I'll be back in two weeks. But until I return, what more can I say than chocula? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Would you like to say that again? I'm not in next week, my dear. I'm in a chuka. But before I go, what more can I say than chocula? Chocula. Tis far away I am today From scenes I wander by And long ago The hour I know I was very nice indeed, but I have to say good morning to everyone this morning. Good morning again, listener. 
And I want to say good morning to the newest listener, whose name is Thomas, who is, and he's one day old, and he's the grandson of Anya McAllister. So good morning, newest listener. And it's good morning to Irene. Good morning. And it's good morning to the Bagman. Good morning, Susan. Good morning to all your multitude of listeners. And good morning look, to Thomas. Including Thomas. You look like you're in a bad mood, Bagman. No, I'm not in a bad mood, but I've uh, actually... I could be, if yeah, you want me to be. Yeah, I've just driven in, driven in on the Harley Ferguson 150cc chopper yeah, in the rain. Nice. And the most dangerous part of it is the tram lines in Smith oh, Street in slippery. Collingwood. Oh, oh, dangerous. Yes. But I've made it. You weren't Thank in the goodness. tram lines, though. No, no, crossing over the tram lines yeah. on the Harley Ferguson 150cc chopper it makes <laughs> it ski off the road. Well, why I'm, did you have to cross over the tram lines? Because you have to when you're in Smith Street. You can't avoid the tram. Yes, you do. When you get in traffic, you can't avoid the tram lines. That's not the only place there's tram lines. There's tram lines up in the multicultural city where I live in Coburg. Really? Yeah. Most fascinating place to live. I've got some tram lines near me, but I don't live near you. Oh, well, you don't. All right. Well, you don't. I'm sorry about that. You don't ride your chopper (laughs) in the No, I get around with me buddy Pusher. Someone actually wrote to me and said, what is a Harley Ferguson 150cc chopper? Well, Ronnie, you dickhead, it's a motorbike. <laughs> well, can I, I actually, it opens up for me to say, coming in on the tram, Thank you. I'm Hi. so sick of, I sit down in the front seat because I can see where my stop is and I don't have to stagger to the door. Because you're only big, four foot tall. Yes, and it's big, shall I say, FAT or huge. Anyway, he's taking up half my seat and I plonk myself down. Man spreading. He's man spreading. I'm crazy. And uh, so I say to him, he's got his leg right up against mine. And I'm so I said, Look, first of all, I said, Can you move your bag? So he took his bag off. And then I said, Look, his leg's up against mine. I said, Can you move your leg over, please? Um, You didn't say fray your leg over, did you? No. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't. You, you wanted to. No. Yeah, in your dreams, I'm waiting mate. to hear this story. All right, I'll shut well, up. I'm just imagining anyway, the tram. I know all about trams. Big so I said, yeah. look, move your leg over. And he goes, there's, a, there's an empty seat behind you. You can sit there. And I said, no, I want to sit here. So we spent the whole time and he's moved his leg and he's put it down a bit and then he can't help himself. It comes up and then it comes over my side. And when I'm getting off, I was going to... Somebody was waiting to get on because I was going to tell him off. But his legs were wide apart. I mean, it, it wasn't that he was so big that he couldn't put them together a bit. But there's this thing. I know. And I won't say what I feel like doing. I know. <laughs> you want to kick him in the salada <laughs> crackers? Well, yes, or stab him. He can't go around stabbing people. No, I know. I didn't mean that. No, and he would And <laughs> certainly not ever suggesting that any, that you should travel on the tram and then when you're driven to the point of absolute, well, beyond any any hope for the human race, <laughs> you stab someone. No. No, we're not shouldn't. inciting no. anyone to no. violence of any Chopping sort. Chopping his balls off. No, 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 we're not. <laughs> no, sorry. We're not even going to say Sorry, I beg that, your pardon, everybody. I didn't mean it. That, that word. Mm. Yes. Thomas, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I see down in the uh, seat of Melbourne Ports Labour MP, oh, uh, Michael Danby, has t- 
declared victory in Melbourne yes. Ports after oh. what he described as the most ugly campaign. <laughs> but won't <laughs> comment on any links between his office and four men arrested for alleged vandalism on the morning of the election. Now, get this. Yeah. Now, here's some names that you've heard I before. I know, I've seen Andrew this. Landier. Yes. David Asmar, wife, yes. Uh, husband of... Uh, I thought Diane. he was uh, in overseas uh, no, keeping he, away from the law. No, he uh, he actually escaped uh, when he was due to appear before the Royal Commission yeah, into Trade Union right. Corruption, right. yes. went to Lebanon, got a doctor's certificate and said that he was uh, a bit, uh, bit butcher's hook. <laughs> and couldn't come back to give evidence. Well, he's back here now. And what's he doing now on election day? There's four grown men. Yep. Um, Name Lord the other two. Drusus and Dean Sheriff, who Dean both, Sheriff. both work oh. at the um, uh, the HSUA. They've got nothing <sighs> better to do than travel around in a Jeep at 2.30 on the, on the Saturday morning of your election and ripping off... Uh, the Liberal Party posters and Green posters yeah. and whatever, and then own their car at a person who was actually photographing them doing it. Now, they've been charged by police, and uh, we're waiting to see what, what the outcome... What are they charged with? Huh? Well, I, oh, felt like of of oh, I felt like ripping off the Greens posters. When I went to hand out for one of my friends um, in Richmond, the Greens, they'd done it all over the place. They had their posters... Everywhere. They there did. wasn't room for any other yeah. posters. Yeah. All that's, along the fence, way up there, way up there, over inside, uh, up against the school fence, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that was wrong. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, people had they a right. They shouldn't be allowed to, to do that. People have a right to um, to tear down a, a reasonable yeah. proportion yeah. or whatever. But these blokes. No, they're mad. Andrew right. Landy, you mm-hmm. uh, 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 well, alias. Which isn't going to make going. Going no. down to election polling booths and ripping down bloody posters, even if it's from the foul, malicious, bloody Liberal Party. No. I mean, what? It's not going to make any difference. It's not going to make any difference to anyone, is it? <laughs> but, but I don't know whether the posters make any difference anyway. Do oh, they? no, I don't think I mean, so. If you're going to go to vote, they don't. you're not going to vote because mind. of the posters. Yeah, yeah. They just and, remind you. Anyway, there's four blokes. And could you just do me a little yeah. favour, please, Bagman, and give me their names again? Oh, <laughs> Andrew Landyu. Um, Andrew Landyu. Hu- husband of Kimberley Kitchen, who used oh. to work at the HSUA. Husband of Kimberley Kitchen. But left under... Left under a cloud. A A big black cloud. Former bankrupt. David Asmar. David Asmar. Husband of... uh, That's the uh, one who doesn't talk to his wife. They don't speak to each other. No, that's right. George George Drusus and Dean Sheriff. Now, Dean was apparently uh, mayor of uh, some electorate at some stage. So. I must run for mayor somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, so these are these particular men. They're men of some note. Oh, absolutely. Well, amongst the Andrew Landier of the population. is, is yes. the personal friend of Bill Shorten. Yes. Well, I mean, these are men of some note. They aren't oh, just... absolutely. Uh, and he was... No, you have normal mugs. They're not your normal, uneducated... No. Uh, sort of 23-year-olds with tattoos on their forehead or something. No, no I could say not... something. I don't, might be, uh, no, they might to, be trying... educated, but they're not anyway. But and... they're not the normal sort of young louts, you no, see, running no. around defacing things. No. Vandalising. No. Just older louts no, running around. No, this is four men in very expensive suits. <laughs> and, and David Asmar, as we know, was... Uh, um, uh, came under the uh, electoral office for fraud uh, during one of the HSUA yeah, elections. That's so a big so job, they're men yeah. of note, and the yes. men that of notoriety uh, within <laughs> the, the ALP have some influence. Yes. Why they do, I don't know. Um, well, it says a lot about the unfortunate, a lot about the 
Well, it says a lot about people knowing something that they want to keep very wide about. I've always suggested that the the, uh, trade union movement should be a separate body. Uh, from the mm. uh, from the ALP, I know that you might. Yeah, I don't go along with that. Oh, look at all the crooked uh, deals that have been going on lately with the shop assistant union to start with, the corruption involved there, which uh, seen thousands of workers yeah, ripped off of I their penalty rates yeah. and whatever. Then we have the AWU and Bill uh, Bill Shorten with the AWU. Um, um, I'm just trying. Um, Trying to think of the company that uh, where the AWU agreed oh, to yes. abolish penalty rates, Coin yes. Event, yes. it was called, and you know the thousands of deals that go on behind the back of they ordinary are, workers uh, they don't know, and uh, the ACTU actually came out and supported. Uh, the shop assistant oh, union for the deal that uh, ripped off um, ripped off workers' penalty rates, yes. and that's for one reason. The ACTU exists a lot of the time because of the funding supplied by the Shop Assistance Union. So they don't want to lose that, so they've got to come out and say, oh, well, I chose the system as working. Well, because they, they've got so many members because of the way they operate with, uh, with the workplaces, uh, they've, got, they've got a lot of power and a lot of influence. Oh, and, uh, mm. and all unions, and the TWU was caught uh, recently mm. in uh, mm. Sydney, of inflating the numbers of members that they claim that they have yeah. in order to have more influence at ACTU Congress. Anyway, I've spoken long enough. I've got, I've got the, the bile um, yes. out of me. That yes. was... I thought when I saw your face this morning, Bagman, your dear sweet face, I, th- I saw that the brows were drawn. There's sort of, there was a blackness over your brow. I knew there was something wrong. I'm glad to see you've returned to your normal angelic self. Yeah, Thank remind you so me much. to... Um, I think I just got high cleaning my classes. Yeah. Remind, remind me to give you those men's men... The, the names of those men before we finish the program. Yes. Of course, in case, cause I've just, got to, just in case anybody's missed <laughs> it. I have trouble, you know, <laughs> sort of remembering. Yes. Um, now, have you got something else? No, 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 go for no, your life. No. I'm shutting up. Oh, for look, a while. I was just going to say something. It might be a bit controversial, but. Um, <sighs> Lucky I'm sitting here and I've got a law degree. Cheers. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's about the uh, three month sentence given to Glenn Stevens. Ah, uh, the small. It's, no, it's it's more than three months. Isn't it? No, 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 he, he got eight months in the first. He appealed. He appealed. Oh. He got and they months. dropped yes. ten charges. They dropped them, yes. and he only ended up getting three months. He did. What's that say? Well, it unless says we he know knows all the details. Well, unless we, unless we, this is what I wanted to say because I've heard people talking on the ABC about it this morning, and I, what I really want to say is, unless you know everything about it, it's best not to. It's a first offence, so you're not going to get a whack. It's a bad offence. It is a bad offence, um, and I was interested that they didn't charge him with serious injury. But anyway, mm. that's another thing. But he was charged with uh, intentionally causing injury, which is not. In the higher bracket, like a serious injury was. He banged his wife head against the brick wall More, on two yeah, occasions, and then when that, she he fell, banged, he kicked her. Yeah, he banged her head against something else as well on another mm. occasion. So, um, but I think the thing is, uh, and one of the things about the sentencing was that he's uh, rehabilitating. Um, and uh, well, you can't uh, punch women in jail. Well, no, 
you can't. And I think three months may not necessarily be a terrible sentence for a first offence sentence on an intentionally caused injury, not a serious injury, um, and uh, where rehabilitation is obviously being carried out at the time. And that's all I want to say because I know I feel like going off the deep end. You've got your legal hat on. I get my legal hat on. Well, I sort of try and look at it rationally. It's a nice and... hat too when you put it on. <laughs> yeah. so don't you think? She sits here listening in, 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 With in the, the studio and she's got this little box and from the box she pulls out various little hats and puts them on and so we know what she's doing or at least she knows what she's doing at certain times. But I do love your uh, little legal hat. Um, it's sort of scarlet. I like the, the colour of it. It's very, oh, it's nice. Yes. Yeah. I should wear my wig in. Yes. Um, look, I, I think uh, because he's high profile and everybody's going to know what his sentence is and everybody's going to get up, you know. But it, he did get jail, which is a good thing. He could have got less than that even. Uh, so he was put in jail for three months. And it's not, an, you know, if somebody like him, uh, it is going to have a big effect on him that he's had a jail sentence. and. I reckon all men that uh, bash women uh, ought to be on the front page of the newspaper. Don't I, you I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, unfortunately, the newspapers uh, do tend to pick out certain Selective. men and not yeah. tell us about everybody. Yeah. And I've always wanted and to see published photographs and the home addresses of our particular judges here and there. Oh, oh, really? Lucky yes. you never made it there, Irene. Gosh. You never made it to be. Well, perhaps so, not the home address. No, Just a photo so. of them so, I, so we can see who they are. And this is the one that said, well, I, I don't want to give names, but one all, a couple of years back, South Australia, fella had um, bashed his wife with a baseball bat and uh, because she refused to have sex with him, apparently. Mm. Disgusting. He had wife behaving like that. But the judge said, you know, it was all right because he loved her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would she want to have sex with him in the first place if he well, was such a bastard? Well, she denied him his rights. Oh, right. And, but he still loved her. Oh, and, good. I mean, that's a sort of, you bash someone with a baseball bat, you're serious, aren't you? Lovers in the air. And that's bloody serious. <laughs> anyway, I won't go on, but I would have liked to have seen, the. I had to look for a long time to find a photograph of that particular Judge, there are many more that I have on my books. Yes, well, but I'm are... waiting till I've got a terminal disease and a week left. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's a good idea. Well, yes, there was a there was a f- rather famous case within legal circles from South Australia years and years ago. And what a judge said when her husband had murdered his wife, and uh, I've forgotten the exact words, so I won't go into it. But it was disgusting, and so there is this issue about, I suppose. Uh, judges uh, are meant to be um, uh, impartial. Yes, no? that's a good word. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, impartial, and and I think uh, I do think I must say that as a as a student lawyer, uh, I did have some difficulty coming to terms with this. That they're not they're not uh, like all of us affected by their backgrounds <laughs> because mm. I think you can't help it and I do think there are attitudes uh, but I do think generally in Victoria the legal system has its problems but it's generally pretty good. Mm, I think judge, she... It's not just impartial, it's above isn't it? Mm, yeah, they must yeah. Be yeah, she's got to be above yeah, yeah. Um, certain things and I think mm. a lot of the time they are most of the time they are I do think sometimes though that there are certain 
uh, attitudes that might pop out a little bit sometimes. Of course they would, but, because uh, of their upbringing, think, where they yeah. come from. Of course yeah, they get, but, they're uh, going to be biased in some way, yeah. and they're going to be influenced in some way. i tell you what, here's a mob you want to join. Um, there's a movement going on but to, because two men and a woman were arrested at an anti-detention uh, centre protesters blocked off the entry to Wilson Security Car Park in Melbourne CBD on Wednesday morning. Now, this group is going around. They're called the Whistleblowers, Activists and Citizens Alliance. They're uh, going around and blockading uh, Wilson's... Wecker. Wilson's parking because Wilson's uh, lots, uh, because Wilson, according they're, they're, to them, abused refugees on Manus and Nauru. Um, so, you know, they're doing really good, uh, really good job and yeah. uh, turning up and being active. So, and, what are they uh, actually doing? They're, they're well, blocking. they're st- they're blocking. They're the like park. a picket line yeah. of car parks across the car park. Yeah, yeah. so and cars Wilson, can't come they in. They can't get in. That's exactly right. But why do the cars want to go in there for? Well, because car they want parking. to park somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, but why do they want to go in in that particular car park? Because it's near their work. Because, yeah. Near their work. Yeah. So it's they've got nothing to do. It's just the, the car park owners are called Wilson oh, Car Parks. Yeah. Yeah. It could be called Smith and Jones Car Park. Well, maybe matter. so. When they go there and they can't get in, then they go down the road. Uh, to Smith and Jones, wouldn't they? No, they wouldn't. They'd probably drive around the block and get frustrated and whatever, Curses and then go into work and, and ring the police, park somewhere, and end yeah. up getting a, a parking ticket. And it'll teach them to go to Wilson's car parks in the future, because Wilson's is the company that abuses um, um, asylum seekers. <coughs> there you go. There's a few bloody charges they can. Be zapped with for that. Well, they haven't been charged with anything yet because they've been peaceful demonstrations. Yeah, mm. trespass. Oh no, you're outside of the car park. You're just saying to some whacker who turns up, you're not parking there, mate, because this mob abuses asylum seekers. Simple as that. Yep, they'll think of something. Like the old. <laughs> picket. Remember, remember we used to have picket lines. Then, yeah. we, then we couldn't have them anymore, and they were called assemblies. <laughs> then they were called peaceful assemblies. <laughs> community assemblies. Community assemblies and whatever. Assemblies. Oh, they were the good old days when you, when you used to be able to occupy factories yes. and live there for months at a time. Yes. Um, there um, was a – down at Trialgan where we had a picket line down there, uh, nurses, when I say we, uh, one of the uh, prominent orthopaedic surgeons tried to run them down one day. Drove straight towards them. They had to throw themselves out of the way. He, he would have got some work out of that, wouldn't he? <laughs> he would have. <laughs> he would have got some work out of it. And, well, of course, and if it had been in New Zealand and he'd run through the picket line and knocked down a few people on the picket line and as, and as Bagman put it out, got himself um, some little orthopaedic work on the side, yeah. well, then the judge would have said to him, that's fine. Yeah. They shouldn't have been. They shouldn't standing. have been doing that. They shouldn't have been there. No, because that's what a judge in New Zealand is. And that's another man oh, who's, who's on my list. <laughs> and, and when a man drove through a picket line and knocked down a woman and killed, killed her, killed her. Mm, exactly. And, oh, and he got right. off. Yeah, they shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, mm. yeah so that's been, another one on my list. Yeah, it oh, must have been judges. while you were living and must uh, have been. I living it up that. in Spain. <laughs> yes, all those years ago, sitting yes. around admiring the sunset, yeah, sitting around your the castanets pool. and drinking yeah. your <laughs> tequila, and, sangria, and drinking your sangria. <laughs> yeah. hey, uh, now here's a fact. Do you know this? And it's an actual fact that letters. You know what ladders are? Yeah. Because at their age, we shouldn't be stepping onto them because, no, according I to me... Are those ladders? Yeah, the, the stairs of death. 
Uh, yeah, the yeah. of death. Okay. Yeah. Ladders kill more Australians <laughs> than Muslim terrorists. <laughs> there you go. How many people Very fall good. off a ladder? Yeah, well, how many people? 200. How many people have been killed by Muslim terrorists in Australia? <laughs> well, no, uh, well, two or something? Well, I don't think there's two. even two because they keep yeah. saying that man... Man Monus. Monus was a terrorist. I, I think no, he, he was. He was a sick man. Yeah, I think he had a mental problem, and I don't think he was attached to any of the no, IS groups or anything. No, he wasn't. So they can't. I don't know why they keep naming him as a terrorist. Mm. Okay, well then, how, so, how many people have been killed one? in Australia by terrorists? Two. How many people Two. have uh, been killed falling off ladders? Two hundred. <laughs> Gee whiz. Be alert. Not yeah. elevated. And how many That's women have been killed Be by alert, men? Not elevated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's. Uh, look, I don't know. You know, really, what drives me insane at the moment is this. Is this? Well, there was a good article yesterday about fear and, and how you can turn this fear into something like everybody's got to be scared because somebody yes. might come and yes. bomb you at the MCG yes. when there's less chance of that happening than some bloke next to me punching me in the face because I'm too noisy when I'm calling, barracking for Collingwood or something. Or if you ask a, a fat or, man on the train to move Yeah, to move his leg. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, but it, it's driving me insane how people are just taken in by the loud voices like Hanson I hate even saying oh, name. Got some, I've got a story about her. Oh, Do you want to hear it, it clean? in a minute? Well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah it's clean. It's, it's legal. That's what people do. Time's going. Yeah. So Go on, you, you no, finish. No, I'm just saying that uh, she can get up there and in, in a completely in a, speaking in a way that normally you wouldn't, you'd try and not. Uh, you civil. It's incoherently, yes, actually, it is. almost. It is. And, uh, and her attitude that she's putting out to everybody that all Muslims are, are going Terrorist. to be bad, yeah. and and her shock at Sam Dastyari being a Muslim. Are you a Muslim? Are you a Muslim? Yeah. Sam? <laughs> really? And yeah. Are so you really like, a he's a completely. He's a sane person in a suit sitting next to me, and he's a Muslim. That that dopey sort of ignorant yeah. attitude uh, that is firing up other dopey ignorant people is driving me insane. Yes, I'm very sorry about that. I really hurt my voice watching the television with her on it. It was very sad. Well, but, yeah. you know, why should I hurt my voice screaming at her on the <laughs> TV? She can't hear me. And if she could hear me, she wouldn't understand what I was saying. No, I had... I have known two-year-olds with better understanding. Well, who's explaining? Four-year-olds. Four <laughs> that no, but she said, you know, that ninety-five percent of people in Australia wouldn't have known the, the word, you know, xenophobic. No, and she right. only asked. That's right. Well, so, please explain. 95%. Yeah, yeah that's right. what she's... Well, 95% <laughs> p- p- of her friends. Oh, oh, and, and she's got yes. 10, I think. Yeah. Well, they'd all oh, fit in a sidecar of a motorbike, I can yeah. tell you oh, that. Oh, no, but the UPF now, no, they I'm, are but, her... They are bodyguards. protecting her. They yeah, are... God. She is their leader, she, they say. God's sake. UPF is saying Pauline... But she says she's not a racist, and this is what oh, nearly gets me... It's some kind of a modern bloody disease that yeah. racists, old-fashioned, up and down, straight out racists, don't want to be called racists anymore. It's, it's, it's like they want to be racist, but they want you to think they're nice. No, but they say you can't call me a racist because Islam is not a race. But the thing is, they're racist against a certain type of Muslim. 
they wouldn't know other Muslims because if Muslims come from India or... Mm. Um, come from all over the world. All over the world. They'll come from other countries. Mm. Um, they probably wouldn't recognise them mm. <laughs> as Muslims just because there are certain areas where they come from. Uh, they're prepared to say, well, they it's not racist. a race, but mm. of course they are. They're not going to go on about the actual you know, sort of language. And as, look, any bloody linguist would have a day mm. watching watching Pauline Hanson ramble. Well, she went She's, on a... Well, she can't... Sp- she was trying to provoke Aboriginal people the other day. Oh, oh, right? That was she definitely said, to provoke That them. was a provocation. She yes. went there with 60 Minutes. With 60 and Minutes, because she turns up... It's disgusting. She turns up at one of their... at something that they're... a craft yeah. exhibition that they're running knowing full well what it's all about, knowing that they're not going to be happy about her being there. And then when she cops it, she can go, ah, see, look, Mm. you know, I went there and I'd like to go back and have a talk to him and what a load of absolute garbage. maybe she doesn't think, and maybe um, instead of calling her a racist, you ought to call her a root rat because the former Abbott staffer who (laughs) went on to to become Pornhouse's chief advisor, David... Oldfield, um, <laughs> he was working for Tony Abbott, and um, he said that uh, he uh, he he had sex with uh, Paul and Hanson, yep. uh, doing what I had to do for Tony. Yep. Now apparently, the day that she made the famous speech in Parliament about being swamped by oh. Asians, whatever, um, David Oldfield gives her a ring, um, turns up at her motel room, um, they go out and have dinner, uh, have a few drinks, and uh, David oh. doesn't leave until the next morning. He did his duty. I'm trying First, to keep it out of duty. my mind. Yeah. Doing his duty for Tony. Like Ronald Reagan in the old movies, he was doing it for the Gipper. Well, <laughs> Tony... Uh, <laughs> David Oldfield <laughs> dipped his wick. Oh, stop um, it. Because <laughs> he, he was doing it for Tony. <laughs> I tell you what, it says it's a lot really of sad. But then he turned around and then he turned around and left and went and did it for Pauline though, so maybe no, it was well, he did better it than he Pauline, thought it was gonna but be. It's any anyway, it's part of a new documentary that's about to come out on SBS, so I'm not making it up. Um no, it no, actually no, I happened. Read it. I saw yeah. it. Um, yes. I, personally, if I was David Oldfield, <laughs> I'd have a bit more respect for the old thingo um, before you go well, wagging it around. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't go any further. <laughs> oh, I'm not going any further. You're going to be in deep... Well, that's you why you're what? sitting beside me, um, Madam QC. <laughs> Madam... It's so fortunate that this isn't television. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> listener, if you can... See, Irene and myself are attempting no, he, he and were, doing a very good job of being yes. responsible. And, he was knocking the top off it for... <laughs> we can't help it. He's trying. He's trying to get it out. He's knocking the top <laughs> off it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop That's enough. Anyway, it's dawn 58. And it's time that we were getting out of here. Unless Irene's got something yeah. else. No. No? No, it's time we were getting out of here. So, Bagman... Um, uh, what do I normally say? Um, Dare to struggle. Oh. No, he says let's go out the same old let's way. Let's go out the same old you way. You wanted to name Why those not? names again, though. Oh, yeah. Why not? So he needs a, he needs a mind. No, I'll find him and I'll oh, uh, right. vent my spleen next week. Yes. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you, you lose. lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast. And good morning indeed from Left After Breakfast. You have been listening to you have been listening to Left After Breakfast here on Radio 3CR every, every Friday morning at uh, I can't remember nine o'clock. I'm still a bit distressed as as you can imagine <laughs> from the bag man. 
But everything's under control. I will see you next week. <laughs>